Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Do you know a student getting ready to go to college? Or are you looking at going back to school yourself? The Woodward Hines Education Foundation and the Get to College program help more Mississippians get to and through college to get certificates and degrees that lead to meaningful employment. They offer free college planning advice, including hands-on FAFSA completion assistance through in-person or virtual appointments. Visit gettocollege.org to learn more. This is MPB News. Hi, this is Karen Brown. Thanks for checking out the Mississippi Edition podcast. If you like what you hear, click subscribe, hit like, or leave us a comment if your app has that feature. Then find other MPB podcasts by searching MPB Think Radio on your favorite podcasting platform. Thanks. Good morning. It's 8.30 on Thursday, November 19th. I'm Karen Brown, and this is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. On today's show, more school-age cases of COVID-19 are forcing districts to shift to virtual instruction. And the governor's proposed budget comes up short on a campaign promise to teachers. Then the legalization of medical marijuana could serve as a gateway for some Mississippians to return home. Plus, in today's book club, it's not about reading, but listening to a new podcast that tackles questions of climate change. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. The number of students testing positive for the coronavirus in Mississippi is on the rise, doubling over the past week, and the number of students in quarantine increased by more than 5,000. Health officials say there have been recent cases of transmission in classrooms, but the majority of outbreaks are associated with out-of-school activities. Dr. Jennifer Bryan chairs the board of the Mississippi State Medical Association. She tells our Kobe Vance the elevated transmission in the communities makes school outbreaks a question of when, not if. As we enter the fall and as the virus has continued to spread throughout the community, the schools can't prevent the extracurriculars and and the parties and the get-togethers and the different things that we do socially. And as that's brought into the school system, it's nearly inevitable at some point that there would be some shutdowns and some cleanings and some virtual options. And so that's what we're seeing now. Um, I'll stress again, I will say it for the thousandth time, that the public health answer is the way to keep our schools and our businesses open. Dr. Thomas Dobbs is a wonderful physician leader who is communicating with the schools what he needs to help keep them open. And um, our schools are doing a great job with infection control. Another piece of that is surveillance so that we have information on when to, if you know when a virus has um, an outbreak in a school setting, you can quickly remove that from the, the school system and everybody else carries on, and you, you have much less risk of shutting down. And I think that's an important piece for us all to be aware of, and, and to the extent that we can 
request schools to to work with the health department. That's um, that's our best way to keep our kids in school. And of course, you and I both know if we keep kids in school, we keep parents at work. And if we keep parents at work, we keep the economy going. And now you mentioned that it's important for schools to to have that surveillance um, to the uh, and, trans- and transparency with the Department of Health. Um, recently, the Mid South Association of Independent Schools, which is a body of private organ- uh, private schools around the state, um, they have said that they do not want to be reporting that data. Um, however, you know. Uh, it is in the law, right, currently, that they have to report that data to the Department of Health. Um, what are your thoughts on uh, private schools and their reporting? Yeah, that, that's been a fascinating thing to watch unfold. First of all, I want to say kudos to the to the many schools within that uh, association of private schools who have actually gone around that parent organization and are reporting directly to the Department of Health. Uh, physicians statewide appreciate that commitment towards keeping children and families safe, schools open, and parents at work. I I don't quite understand what the drive is to not cooperate with our public health officials and to not cooperate with the health department. I think we've all um, had our feel this year of the pushback against medical expertise. This is simply a way to keep everybody going forward in the pandemic. And knowing, uh, knowing the level of vital presence within these schools allows our health department the visibility that they need to help make these decisions. And um, we're not even talking about personalized data. We're talking about aggregate data, numbers of cases. So I I don't understand it, but, uh, again, we would just encourage all schools and all businesses to listen to the experts in the field, Dr. Thomas Dobbs and Dr. Paul Byers, and lean on them for advice on how best to navigate the pandemic. There's really no reason for any of the the infighting here. We all have the same goal for schools to stay open and for businesses to stay open and for families to stay working and the economy moving forward. Dr. Jennifer Bryan chairs the board of the Mississippi State Medical Association. More than 65 schools are now conducting online learning. Some schools are sending home specific grades for virtual learning. Others are closing all schools in a district. Tony Fields is with the Natchez Adams School District. He says the number of students in quarantine was growing and transitioning all students to virtual education was the safest option. We were already doing um, hybrid learning and virtual learning. And um, the number of cases in our community has gone up, and we uh, were actually blessed for a few months to not really have any any student cases in our district. But um, over the last uh, couple weeks, we did have a few student cases and staff cases, and, you know, doing contact tracing that really affected a lot of people so we were talking about um you know quarantining a good number of our staff and students so you know with all that data we just thought it would be best to uh, go ahead and go uh, fully virtual until after the thanksgiving break and so um how are how parents been reacting to this kind of this news actually our, our parents have been been very supportive of uh our decision making uh they've been involved in in the process they they were heavily involved in in the beginning um when we chose to you know offer a hybrid schedule and a totally virtual schedule so uh we've been transparent about um you know our, our cases we have a covid dashboard on our 
website on the home page, so it's updated uh, weekly when we send our report to the state. So uh, with that transparency, that's put parents at ease, and they again, they've been very supportive. And now, lastly, you mentioned that y'all are reporting to the Department of Health, like cases and outbreaks and things like that. How has the Department of Health helped y'all in, um, you know, uh, keeping up to date on the latest policies and when when to make this transition to virtual? They have been very supportive and very helpful every time that we, you know, we've called and uh, looked for for specific guidance. They've been right there to uh, to give it to us. So um, it, it's been a very cooperative process, but the Department of Health, again, they they have been uh, great to us in helping us with our decision-making. Tony Fields is with the Natchez Adams School District. Many of Mississippi's teachers are taking on a more burdensome workload to accommodate the shifts in instruction due to the pandemic. And now some are expressing their dissatisfaction with the governor's proposed budget for the next fiscal year, which doesn't include a teacher pay raise. Governor Tate Reeves ran for office in 2019, promising increased pay for teachers. But his proposed budget released earlier this week falls short on that promise. Kelly Riley with Mississippi Professional Educators tells our Desiree Frazier members are calling and contacting her through social media because they're disappointed. It's extremely disappointing, um, especially when you consider that Governor Reeves touted a teacher pay raise when he was out and about in the state um, making campaign promises during his gubernatorial campaign. Um, It is especially disappointing when you consider the yeoman's job that educators throughout Mississippi are are doing this year to continue to teach um, their students when many of those teachers are are teaching not only in a traditional face-to-face setting, but also in hybrid um, and virtual settings as well. The workload um, has significantly increased. And so it is it is disheartening when you have gone above and beyond to provide for your students and when you feel um, that your state leaders who allegedly support public education continue um, to not provide competitive salaries for our educators throughout the state. What are you hearing from your constituents? Um, our members are disappointed, particularly given um, as I mentioned earlier, Governor Reeves' promises of a teacher pay raise. Um, I've also heard several concerns related to his recommendation that the income tax be eliminated because that is a revenue stream. And if you're not giving teacher pay raises and if you're not fully funding other state services, um, you know, the concerns are how could you even consider eliminating a, a source of revenue? Um, and then I've heard a lot of concern regarding his patriotic education fund, um, you know, to, to question the pedagogy and the practice of educators throughout the state um, is, is just disrespectful to the incredible work that our teachers are doing in classrooms throughout the state of Mississippi each and every day. What would you like to see if you had your druthers, and I know this is uh, pie-in-the-sky thinking, so to speak, but if you could say uh, what you would want teachers to have in terms of a raise, what do you think would be a reasonable raise? I think we would have to look at at least 
a six to eight thousand dollar pay raise in order to make us competitive with our surrounding states. Um, you know, we are training a lot of teacher preparation students who've been returned to their home state or teach in surrounding states because they have a higher and, and more competitive teacher salary. And even if it could not be implemented in one year for there to be a definitive plan passed um, that would provide a, a, a long-range plan um, to make Mississippi's salaries competitive with surrounding states or with the southeastern average within the next two to three years. Kelly Riley is the executive director of Mississippi Professional Educators. Like the governor, many lawmakers also touted teacher raises during their campaigns. Republican Representative Kent McCarty of Hattiesburg is vice chair of the Education Committee. He says raising teacher pay remains a priority for him. I think there's so much uncertainty right now with just with where our budget is even going to be. You know, it's it's hard to really know what what the the economic situation is going to be in in February, March, when we start really looking at the the real budget work. But yeah, I mean, you know, as far as teacher pay goes, I know that's 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 been a, a hot topic of conversation for a long time. But I think it's particularly been at the forefront the last couple of years, and and so many of us in the house, you know, campaigned on. Um, you know, education funding and, and trying to, to do something, you know, do, do right by our teachers as far as pay goes. I hope that we're able to get that done. The budget does include $2 million to train Mississippi teachers in computer science and $3 million for math coaches. Coming up, the legalization of medical marijuana could serve as a gateway for some Mississippians to return home. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. Allison Walker, the lady auto mechanic, host of AutoCorrect. If you're enjoying this podcast, try my podcast, AutoCorrect. We help steer you in the right direction with your car problems. Find me on any podcast platform or at autocorrect.mpbonline.org. This podcast is a local production of Mississippi Public Broadcasting and depends on the support of listeners like you. If you can, please donate today at mpbonline.org. And thanks. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. I'm Karen Brown. The development of a comprehensive medical marijuana program is underway in Mississippi. Earlier this month, residents voted overwhelmingly to legalize it for legalize its use for the treatment of 22 debilitating conditions. MPB's Ashley Norwood talks to two Mississippians who've left the state but are excited about the opportunity to come back home now that medical marijuana is legal. Austin Calhoun says he's less than two months shy of celebrating his 25th birthday, a blessing, he calls it, after surviving a sudden illness that would alter his life forever. I felt like I had the flu every day. I didn't know that I had been bitten by a tick and contracted Lyme disease because it's nothing that you really hear about down here in Mississippi. Lyme disease, which he didn't initially know he had, led to nonstop seizures, severe joint pain, and chronic nausea and vomiting. Calhoun says he saw 20 local doctors, tried 17 prescriptions, and was bedridden most of his senior year of high school. But after much research and consultation with physicians in Colorado, Calhoun moved out of state in order to use medical marijuana. 
and soon after his first dose, he says he began to feel a difference. I noticed that I wasn't having those small blackout periods throughout the day due to the seizures. My joints weren't hurting as much anymore. I was actually able to keep my food down for the first time in almost a year. Calhoun says he prefers to vape or use tinctures with a combination of THC and CBD extracts from the marijuana plant. The Puckett native has been living in Colorado away from his family and friends since 2015. But because Mississippians voted by an overwhelming 74 percent majority to legalize medical marijuana, Calhoun says he's coming home. I was left Honestly, just shocked. I did not expect my home state to be in such support of medical marijuana. And the first thing I thought was, I'm going to be able to come home and be with my family. And that's literally the only thought that I had is I'm going to be able to come home to my family. Voters passed Initiative 65, a comprehensive medical marijuana program, to treat 22 debilitating conditions, including seizures like the ones Calhoun suffers. It requires the State Department of Health to implement and administer the program's rules and regulations, like deciding the process for licensure to grow and sell and the price for a patient ID card. Felix Murray is CEO of Gashouse Cannabis, a licensed marijuana business headquartered in Oakland, California. Murray is originally from Rolling Fork, a small town in the Mississippi Delta. He says he got his start in Oregon in 2014, growing and supplying marijuana to retailers who sold to residents with qualifying conditions. I just wanted to help people. I wanted to help sick people, sick children. That's how I initially got into a you know, cannabis business in Oregon, producing a medical-grade product. Murray says he, too, needed help. A medical marijuana patient himself, Murray says he suffers from chronic back pain. After a couple years in Oregon, he relocated his business to a larger medical and recreational cannabis market in California. Currently, his product is sold in stores statewide and across the nation. We have uh, indoor cultivations as well as uh, greenhouse cultivations. And typically, uh, the, the life cycle of the cannabis plant, the way that we produce this, uh, about three months uh, before the product is cured, then it's packaged, and then it is delivered. Murray says he believes having cannabis crops in Mississippi could help grow the state's economy and workforce. He believes this move is going to improve the quality of life for people in one of the sickest states in the U.S., and he wants in on it. Once the program is fully implemented, which could be as early as next summer, Murray says he sees himself extending his business in the place he calls home. You know, we'd love to come home and help people, you know, out and bring some of the knowledge that I've acquired, you know, in this business home. I've been talking to several people, you know, from the state of Mississippi already. So, yeah, I, I definitely would come home. Mississippi is the 35th state to legalize medical marijuana. Ashley Norwood, MPB News. Coming up in today's book club, it's not about reading, but listening to a new podcast that tackles questions of climate change. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. If you ever miss one of our locally produced shows or want to simply hear it again, you can find what you need at mpbonline.org or download our podcast app to your smartphone. MPB programming is on your schedule at mpbonline.org. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. I'm Karen Brown. 
If you pay attention to news about climate change, there are likely a lot of questions on your mind. Is this the new normal for hurricane season? Will it ever get too hot to live here? Have I eaten my last good oyster? A new podcast is setting out to answer questions just like this and relieve some of the stress that comes along with all of it. It's called Life Raft. Travis Lux is a reporter for New Orleans Public Radio, and he's one of the hosts of the podcast. He starts by laying out the many issues Gulf states like Mississippi face as a result of climate change. Depending on where you live in this region, even like some of these issues may be more acute than others. So if you live on the coast, for example, obviously you're going to be a little bit more worried about what sea level rise is is doing now and what it's going to do or or how the warming gulf is um, essentially powering up storms and making them intensify really quickly. That's concerning. If you live a little farther inland, you know, maybe you're worried about those things, too. But maybe you're worried about rainstorms dropping more rain in a in a faster period of time causing flooding or maybe you're worried about heat you know what 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 is extreme heat going to do um to to our human bodies and so um yeah the gulf the gulf is uh certainly not immune to um these climate changes that that we're seeing and expecting to to see in the future too the first episode looked at rising temperatures and it tackled a listener question about whether it'll ever be too hot to live in new orleans what were you able to tell him well, this one's a bit of a, a mixed bag. You know, the science there is a little bit scary, um, and a lot of this depends on how much, you know, um, we reduce our emissions going on into the future. But one of the things, one of the big takeaways, I think, from this episode is that, you know, it may sound simple, but there are things that can be done. For example, um, planting trees, especially in cities, really can help reduce the uh, the overall temperature in cities. And so that was one of the interesting takeaways is, is how there are things that we can do um, on both sort of like policy levels and at the individual level. Now, of course, you're based in New Orleans, but as you said, this relates to all of the Gulf Coast. Um, what would be relative to Mississippi that is relative to Louisiana? For instance, is the body carry spillway relatable there? Oh, absolutely. So, you know, um, in part because of climate change, um, the, the floods on the Mississippi River have been getting worse in recent years. They're lasting longer. Um, and that has impacts in Louisiana. Um, and that also has impacts on the Mississippi coast. Everything from water advisories on the coast to um, the seafood industry causing problems for oysters. In fact, the episode that just came out, our most recent episode, kind of gets into this um, very question about oysters. The question for this episode is, um, have I had my last good oyster? And so we get into these issues of uh, flooding um, and climate change and what that means for um, the culture of the coast and uh, the culture of oyster eating and um, the industries that support it. What about do you address with hurricane storm surge and the eroding of the coast? Yeah. So, um, I mean, looking looking ahead, Every episode is kind of centered on a different question. So looking ahead, we're going to be doing questions about um, flooding in particular. So whether that's in cities or otherwise, um, certainly going to be looking at hurricanes, taking questions and answering some questions about hurricanes, just kind of like what's going on, what happened this year, how much the climate um, affect that, for example. And um, yeah, everything else in between. So it definitely is going to be focused on a lot of coastal issues, too. This is all very stressful to think about. Uh, you are working on an episode about mental health and climate change. In working on this podcast, what have you learned about balancing 
awareness about climate with the anxiety that can come from that. It's easy to get bogged down even just and stressed out even just by these headlines um, and every study that it all feels kind of the same and it piles on. It sounds like it's getting worse and worse. So it's easy to, to give into that anxiety, um, especially if so, you're someone prone to anxiety like me. Um, but it, it, a lot of it comes down to, I think, um, making those small changes where we can, you know, I was mentioning tree planting earlier. Um, and I think, you know, for that episode, we talked to someone who was, basically just trying to plant a ton of trees in her neighborhood in New Orleans. And her name is Angela Chalk. And she said something that really spoke to this and kind of stuck with me. So if you and I are doing our part incrementally, and I'm going to use the rule of 10 again. So we get 10 of our friends, that's 30 people making a change. And just build it incrementally. It's not going to happen overnight because we didn't get like this overnight. So the change is definitely not going to occur overnight. You have listener questions driving each episode. Are you still looking for questions? Absolutely. So um, if anyone wants to submit a question for us to kind of explore um, and give it the life raft you know, treatment, we are always looking for more questions. And the best way to do that is to go to our website, liferaftpod.org. Um, and that's where you can, there's a very simple form. You just like type in your question and it'll forward an email to us. And then we'll have that um, for our consideration. And we would love to even have people be part of our show. Travis Lux is a coastal reporter for New Orleans Public Radio, and he's co-host of the new podcast, Life Raft. You can download Life Raft wherever you get your podcast. Travis, thank you so much. Thank you. Appreciate it. This has been Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. Thanks for listening to the Mississippi Edition podcast from MPB News and MPB Think Radio. Don't forget to subscribe if you haven't already. And if your app lets you, leave a comment or review. We really do appreciate it. Remember, you can always get in touch with MPB News on Facebook and Twitter, and fresh episodes of the podcast are posted every weekday morning. I'm Karen Brown. Thanks for listening. This is Mississippi Edition from MPB Think Radio.